Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Happy holidays. I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined, as always, by Mike Tanier, and we are joined this week by nice little can opening there. <laughs> and uh, we are joined this week by our film guru, Derek Klassen, to ask him about a couple of interesting teams because our week 16 preview features a number of interesting teams where the numbers and the film agree or don't agree, or we're just kind of wondering from the film how we got to the numbers that we're at. But before we get into those games, I've got these two guys here, and we need to talk about their preseason Matt Ryan, a Pittsburgh versus Indianapolis bet. Take it yeah. away, Mike. It was Pittsburgh versus Indianapolis, and it was League of Legends versus She-Hulk, okay, if we remember the terms of the bet. And the, the idea was that the team with the better record, I picked the Steelers, and Derek picked the Colts, that the team with the better record – that person wins the bet and makes the other person watch something that they have no interest whatsoever in watching. I'll be forced to watch some video game stuff. And uh, uh, Derek, we watch the the most beloved of the Marvel franchises, especially now that it's completed and it's extra beloved. Well, lo and behold, I believe I have a one and a half game lead in this bet with three games left to play. And the Colts are flatlining. Meanwhile, the Steelers are about to go out and possibly run through walls. Rest in peace, Franco Harris. I'm not uh, tying Franco Harris's demise to my bet, but it looks like I have won this bet. Derek, your thoughts? I I gravely misunderstood a lot of things about the Colts, I think, <laughs> is what happened. Because <laughs> I, the Steelers are kind of exactly what I thought they were in the sense of like when, I don't know, seven to eight games, maybe nine if Kenny Pickett is better than I thought. But I was betting on the fact that the Colts would be able to win a fairly weak AFC South. I didn't think the Jaguars would be as good as they are at this point. Um, I thought the Titans would still be fairly good. And they kind of have been injuries have killed yeah. them. But, you know, um, but I thought the Colts could have been better than them. And then the Texans are. I mean, we don't really need to talk about that. But I think I gravely underestimated how bad the offensive line was going to be uh, and how bad another year of deterioration for Matt Ryan would be because I think he looks a lot worse than he did even last year. So I think the factor of those two things, and then you end up firing Frank Reich is just like, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> you and Chris Ballard both. And I think everybody in the building as well for the Colts. It's like, I, again, I think we started this cause I was like, dude, Matt Ryan is washed. I, th I you know, I was kind of needling you on Matt Ryan being washed. I had no idea it was going to turn into this kind of crap. Show. Yeah. I thought Matt Ryan washed was going to be like quarterback 16, which is enough for Frank Reich with, with decent skill players to like have a good offense. And I thought the defense was talented enough. That they would make players. Matt Ryan was like quarterback 29. <laughs> so we, we knew the offensive line was going to have issues like left tackle, but I think it's been a lot worse than anybody it's, expected. Also. It's been even worse. I, I think in particular, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly have just not, been the players that that they're used to <laughs> Quentin Nelson somehow still got a pro bowl nod he's not that level of player right now he, he's about average I think and Kelly I think has been has been not up to his level either and then yeah the tackles both tackle situations really they've been flip-flopping at both spots for for most of the year so a, a, a below average offensive line is what I thought I was getting right. we I got like a bottom five offensive line <laughs> and you've also been stuck for the last four weeks remember it wasn't just right but the offensive coordinator 
mm-hmm. that gets fired. So there's no coordinator. There's, you know, a guy from a, uh, a, a football card signing show running the team, <laughs> and you're stuck with that. On the other side, I expected Mitch Trubisky to come in and provide semi-competence, and he was complete garbage by about week two or week three and was just out the door. Pickett came in and was But somehow so, better. <laughs> somehow better until, I guess, last week Trubisky played okay last week, but that was mm-hmm. – we'll talk about that game, I think. But, but like – my whole goal for this was to drag you down to my level and like and you drag succeeded. you down to hell. You and Chris Ballard have succeeded in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and all I have to tell you is we'll, we'll bring you on during the draft show. You'll give, I'll give you, if assuming I win, I'm, I'm counting my, uh, my winnings now. You, you watch She-Hulk. I, I'll need to know your, your uh, thoughts on the controversial ending of the show and oh, good luck. I liked She-Hulk, by the way. I haven't watched the last episode yet, but I like the episodes I've watched so far. It goes from corny dad jokey to funny dad jokey to a place at the end, and that, which I like. <laughs> but you're going to you're going to sit through this like corn, very corny dad jokey stuff. Assuming I win, you can win out, and I'll be watching a League of Legends tournament. <sighs> Not with I, Nick Foles, I, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Not with Nick Foles. And yeah. at this point, like, I can almost understand the benching for Ellinger earlier in the season. I don't really think I understand it, but I get it. I think Frank Ryan's uh, Frank Reich was trying to get fired at that point. There's no logic to this benching right now. This is just the humiliation of a... Yeah, like, what are we doing? At least Ellinger, you can say, huh, let's find out what we have here. With Nick right. Foles, there's none of that. We know what we have. And he doesn't do anything that Matt Ryan like. He doesn't do anything different from Matt Ryan. You're going to run the same offense generally, where at least like Ellen was like, "Yeah, you're going to do something different. Let's see defenses have the plan different." Uh, it, yeah, it's, yeah. That's not Todd, good. Todd Singer's right. There's bad CGI in, in She-Hulk, uh, and you know, I, when when Orphan Black is running around, she's a, I don't know the actress's name, Tatiana something. Tatiana Maslany. She's amazing, and then there's another actress comes in 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 the I think it's another actress in the makeup. And the, the CGI doesn't look as anyway. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. The um, all right. Let's get to the games because as long as we're in the <laughs> AFC South, I do want to remind people: if you are watching live, please bring on comments like Todd Singer has already. You can comment through YouTube or Twitch. And if you are listening to this as a podcast, please be here live Thursday, one p.m. Eastern, so you can ask us questions live. Uh, let's talk about the AFC South champion to be Jacksonville Jaguars. So our first game of importance is tonight, Jaguars at Jets. The Jaguars make the playoffs 61% of the time with a win and 35% with a loss. But that was based previous on previous uh, uh, simulation. I did a new simulation this morning that okay. makes the Jaguars now the favorites in the AFC South because of the Ryan Tannehill injury. Right. Mm. Because Malik Willis will play this week, and it is very likely that Malik Willis will play the next two weeks as well. The Jets, by the way, make the playoffs in 34% of Sims where they win and 8% where they lose. So the Jets and Patriots are definitely taking a backseat to the Los Angeles Chargers now for that seventh spot in the AFC. So we want to... Talk about this game so that Derek could uh, rap rhapsodic about uh, the <laughs> wonders of Trevor Lawrence, who has fully matured into the player that we thought he was going to be. Listen, it's very, very nice that I got to say, hey, 
the generational quarterback prospect that we all thought was really good for five years and ended up the number one overall pick. He's going to be good. It's pretty cool I got to say that and just be right. That's a very easy take to have, and I got to have it. And yet, Um, remember the quarterback tiers show in the preseason Mm -hmm. when we were like, like even I as a Patriots fan was like, at this, like Mac Jones was better than Trevor Lawrence last year, but if you would take Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence at this point, you're crazy. Right, because if you had thrown Trevor into that, if you had thrown (laughs) Trevor into that offense, it would have into the Patriots offense last year when it was competent. He would have looked a lot better than Mac Jones has. Uh, Trevor, man, he just. So I think last year, I think a lot of what we saw was like, you could see his pocket presence is, I think already when he got into the league was already some of the best uh, in the league. Um, And I think the way that he was trying to process and like get to intermediate throws is really what drew me to him. Like his work in the 10 to 20 yard area, you know, digs, seam benders, um, over routes, like corner routes, all that stuff. That is where he really shined. It's just, as a rookie, one, that was like had some general rookie inconsistency to it. But then two, he had no, his short game wasn't very good and his deep game wasn't very good as a rookie. I think there was just a lot of clunkiness there. This year, I think we've really seen him take a step in both of those. Like his quick game, even just like on a lot of the cheap RPO stuff that they do, how fast he gets the ball out for a dude who is 6'6 is bonkers. Like he he's as fast as anybody not named to a tongue by Loa. Um, which I think is insanely impressive. And then um, I think his work in, you know, I wrote this in a, a film room two, three weeks ago, um, but you can just see in the way that he's working the quick game, like he's timing his footwork in a way that makes it to where he can get to every single throw seamlessly. You don't see that from second year quarterbacks, man. Like that's really, really hard. You see that from guys like Dak and, and Brady. Like th- those are the types of guys you see that stuff from. And Trevor is already there, which I think, with his arm strength, like it, it just kind of unlocks everything for him in the short game. And then the deep game we've seen, I think with, you know, getting some guys like Christian Kirk in there, um, Zay Jones has been a decent deep threat, like getting a little bit more speed for him to actually uncork it down the field. He actually can unlock that part of the uh, part, part of his game too. So like, we've just kind of seen him go from this guy who is an interesting intermediate thrower to like, he can literally make every throw on the field and he has the best pocket presence that I've seen out of a young player in a long time. So it's just, he just does it all, man. He, he's an awesome player. Compare and contrast Trevor Lawrence with Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, I don't think Zach Wilson does anything a quarter of as good as Trevor Lawrence does. And I don't think that he ever did. I think that's the thing that I don't understand is that even if you were optimistic about Zach Wilson, I don't understand what he ever did that was better than Trevor Maybe he was a little bit more creative out of the pocket at times, but like I think we've seen even over the past month, Trevor is pretty good at that too now. Like uh, I, I don't know. So I mean, Wilson, there's a reason why Trevor Lawrence went one and Zach he, Wilson went two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's a reason why this is a game, which is that the Jets' defense is much, much better than the Jaguars' defense. Yeah. The Jaguars mm-hmm. are now last in pass defense DVOA, and the Jets are sixth in defense overall and have the strong cornerback. So that makes that an interesting – it makes it an interesting game because of strength against strength and weakness against weakness. I'm a lot more worried about the the cornerback versus receiver thing than the pass rush versus Trevor Lawrence. I, 
The Jaguars offensive line is like, okay. And they just lost Cam Robinson, which I think could be a little bit of a problem depending on how Walker Little plays. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, it would be his first start this year versus a really, really good pass rush. Um, uh, You know, a a really good four-man pass rush. But like I said, I think Trevor has incredible pocket presence and really good timing. So he kind of just avoids that more than your typical quarterback is going to. I'm worried about how much these receivers can separate. I think Doug Peterson does an awesome job of scheming stuff up, but like, at the end of the day, it's kind of a talent thing. And I just don't think that um, Jaguars have the receiver talent on the outside to to really separate from guys like Sauce and DJ Reed. Like they just, I, I don't think they're going to be able to separate. And I don't think any of them are very good, like contested catch guys. Like Marvin Jones, I think has been better this year than he was um, even actually earlier this season or especially last season, but he's not, T Higgins, you know what I mean? Like he's not a guy who you just throw it up to all the time and he's going to go get it. So I'm really just worried about like how consistently they're going to be able to get guys open, but I don't know. Doug, Doug has had something for the past six weeks. So maybe he has some, something this week. Walker Little's that kid out of Stanford that, mm-hmm. right. He, he had injuries all through his college career, right? Yes. Yeah, super talented, like high recruit, just could not stay on the field <laughs> to save his right. life. But I think he's been healthier since he's been in the NFL. So. Right, right. And he played pretty well last week in mm-hmm. difficult circumstances. I think he had to play both sides during that yeah. game because I think Taylor was out for a, for a while as well. By the way, I just want to point this out. You, you just mentioned that the Jaguars were the, are now our favorites, right, Aaron? Our favorites to win that division, yes. Win the division. And I ran to Vegas, and I ran to Vegas, and the Jaguars are getting minus 145 to win mm-hmm. the division at Vegas. Titans plus 115. So, again, we're sitting there with the market. I thought I was going to jump on something there. No, I think the market understands who Malik Willis is also. Yeah. Um, Here's an interesting stat, by the way, about what Zach Wilson might be able to do against the Jaguars. This is the SIS yards per target numbers. Tyson Campbell, who's having a Pro Bowl-level season. I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl or not. I don't think he did. 5.3 yards per target. Darius Williams, 6.6. Hmm. Trey Herndon, 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, if you're wondering where to look on the field, I'm going to suggest you see who is being covered by Trey Herndon. <laughs> also, the Jaguars are 31st against tight ends, so this might be a good Conklin and Uzuma game for the Jets. Yeah, the, the Jags... I mean, you just mentioned how bad their cornerbacks out, outside of Campbell um, have been their linebackers. Dude. Devin Lloyd was a really good coverage player for like the first month. He cannot play right now. I, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know if he hit like some weird rookie wall. And they and him or... They're using more of Muma instead of him. Yeah. They've gone back to Lloyd now the past couple of weeks, but there was like a three, four week stretch there where Muma was getting more, more of the playing time. Yeah. Lloyd was kind of a runaround guy. Yeah, and always the wrong direction. <laughs> always the wrong direction, right? And I think that's kind of their back seven. I look at it, it's like they're they're just runaround guys. There's just too mm-hmm. many of those out there. So, and that's something that you can scheme up against. And like the whole thing with Zach Wilson is you better scheme up the perfect opportunity for him to the wide open target that he knows is his first read. Mm-hmm. And if Jets manage to do that, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, the uh, current line is Jets by one and a half. It is really? in in the Meadowlands. Oh, I guess, yeah. It's raining. It's going to be raining all night. Yeah, so this is interesting. 
there's going to be rain and crosswind, but our over-under formula is very heavy on the over. The over-under is 37.5 because we, uh, first of all, it's not going to be cold. It's going to be like 45 no. degrees tonight. Yes. And the crosswinds are not going to be too heavy. Like the, the over-under formula only really takes the wind into account when you get over 20 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. which is the case in a couple of games this week, but not this game. So it's interesting. Our over-under formula is very heavy on the over, over 37 and a half. Do it. Do it. Do it. Zach, nice Zach Wilson in the rain and wind, that's turnovers. Trevor will fumble sometimes. He, he, he will do that a little bit. He, he, he runs will, a little recklessly. He runs recklessly with the ball in his hand. Eagles took care of that. Almost had a problem last week. Go over on this. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning – I'm leaning Jaguars in this. I lean Jaguars too. Yeah. I feel like their offense is more trustworthy than the Jets' defense, as good as the Jets' defense has been uh, I, this year. For me, it's just – I think it could be an ugly game. I do not trust Zach Wilson in the conditions at all, right. like 0%. Because the thing like with Zach Wilson is coming out of college, one of his biggest billings was arm strength. But, like – the way that he throws now, he kind of throws like he's just playing pitch and catch at the park. Like he doesn't drive on anything. And so if he's not going to be driving and now he's in the conditions, I don't see how he throws very many accurate passes this game unless they're all two yards from the line of scrimmage. And even then, I think we've seen he's a little, you know, shaky. He needs that big margin for error. You know, yeah. the guy's wide open or it's one-on-one. -on -one. And like last week, Wilson made this big catch for him. Because mm -hmm. his, foot, his footwork is weird and it's just loft sail balls, sail balls. Yep. Sail balls in the wind at the Meadowlands. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe that's an argument for the under rather than the over. Yeah, I think it might sail directly <laughs> to her and her body. All right. And you had a prop you liked, Mike. I want to talk about it. Not so much I love it. I just want to bring it up for the room. Travis Etienne, 100-plus rushing yards. Trevor Lawrence, two passing touchdowns at plus 600. And the thing that's keeping me away from it right now is kind of the weather. But I think in a, in a clear day, if this game was in Jacksonville, I think Etienne could pass the 100-yard mark. And I think that, that even against this defense, Lawrence could pull the two touchdowns. I'll take yeah, it. Why not? Plus 600 <laughs> looks – is a nice payout. All right. Well, I'll and I think I think Zach Wilson probably gives them enough chances, the Jaguars' offense enough chances that this it, they can probably. I I, I mean not probably, but I, I kind of like it. I feel like the Lawrence two touchdowns is more likely than the Etienne hundred yards. I mean, even though if they're going to want to run a lot, if it's windy and rainy. yeah, the Jets' run defense is like pretty solid. It's yeah. tough, and he winds up getting yards on swing passes and all. You guys have that talked too. me into it. I'm playing it in your honor. So. <laughs> Todd Singer wants to know if you have any thoughts about Wilson going forward because he's a fantasy keeper league owner. I, I don't think he's going to have a starting job ever again. I, I don't see why he should. Do you like, think he's he'll the worst him by next year? I think absolutely. I think he's. I think they will draft a quarterback 100 or or trade for Carr or Jimmy or some something or another. I Everybody just think, has Jimmy Garoppolo in New York. Like yeah, just and makes it makes too much so sense. much right? sense. Oh. I met Garrett. Oh, Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Oh, I mean, if they oh. get Jimmy Garoppolo or something, I would feel great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whoop. Oh, yeah. Yes, keep him. Yes. 
Oh no, he's he's really good. Garrett Wilson's really good. Garrett Wilson is very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep him, keep him. All right, second game of the week. This is the game with the most playoff implications, which is kind of nuts. Lions at Panthers. Lions playoffs, 55% with a win, 16% with a loss. Panthers, 22% with a win, 7% with a loss. So, Derek, I want your thoughts. How much Lions have you watched, and what is your thoughts about how they've schemed it up for Goff? Because Goff has been unbelievably productive this year. The dude is number two in passing DYAR behind Mahomes, which is not a statement that he's the second best quarterback in the league, but it is a statement that he's pretty darn productive. He, the Lions, I mean, it's a lot of things. And I, and actually credit to Goff on some level. I'll, I'll start with that. Like, I actually do think his, his pre-snap understanding and some of his operation in the quick game is better than it was with the Rams. Because I think when he was with the Rams, like unless they went to empty and fully spread it out, he just could not like throw a quick game gun. Like that's just not what he did. He was kind of like too long levered. He, he just didn't see it well enough. It just wasn't really part of their offense. So they didn't do it very much. I think he's gotten a lot better at that uh, with the Lions, which kind of raises the, the floor for the offense a little bit. I think I even saw a stat that they have like the fewest three and outs or something, which is partly him being able to do that. And then obviously them, them being able to run the ball. I think another pillar of it is, I mean, they might have the second best offensive line in the league, which I think even going back to Goff's Rams days, like that was really what the engine for Goff was. I think was, it wasn't necessarily the scheme. It wasn't necessarily the skill players. It was that he had more room and time in the pocket than anybody else. And I think he's pretty bad when you get condensed pockets and he has to to either move out of the pocket or, you know, move in tight pockets and throw with bodies around him. He's not very good at that, but he just doesn't have to do that very often um, when you're playing behind, you know, Penny Sewell and Frank Ragno is playing well. Jonah Jackson is turning into one of the best guards in the NFL. So I think that has, has helped them a lot. And then I think what they do in terms of passing concepts is one, I think they generally do a very good job of like understanding when to call a lot of their man and zone beaters. And I think we even saw that last week against the Jets. Um, and I think that especially helps them with like Amon Ross St. Brown, because he's just, if you get him into a particularly favorable matchup, he's going to get open and Goff is going to find him. I think another thing that they do very well is they do a lot of reads where say Goff is starting on his right-hand side, everything from the other side of the formation is coming back into his vision when he moves. You know, it's not like, one side of the field is this concept and is all breaking this way. The other side is this. It's a lot of like everything is supposed to flow back in into his vision. And I think it makes it a lot easier for him to read. Obviously that does come with, with some drawbacks, you know, if, if teams are playing like um, split coverage or they might have numbers to one side, like you can't get as many advantages on picking on the weak side because you're just having these concepts that are running away from it anyway. But I think generally it makes it easy for golf and they have a lot of guys who are, Pretty good at running away from coverage, truthfully. Um, I, I think this just this offense really does a, a lot of things well, and I think, like I said, to his credit, Goff is not the second best quarterback in the NFL, but he's better than he was, and I think he's playing in a in a situation that is helping him, you know, raise his ceiling a little bit. By the way, uh, three and outs lowest in the league, 49ers, probably no surprise. Hmm. Second lowest amount of three and outs, uh, the Falcons, which I think is probably a mild surprise. Are they yeah they run the ball and manage. Arthur Smith, baby. <laughs> yeah, and then number three is the Lions. So, yeah, they okay. are doing a very good job of managing that, yes. 
Yeah, I think the other interesting thing about this game is there's been a lot of talk about the Panthers' defense being hot. Like, I think Bill Simmons said on his podcast he expects the Panthers to win their division because their defense is hot. The Lions' defense is almost as hot as the Panthers' defense. Mm -hmm. The Panthers' defense has been 10th since Week 10. The Lions' defense has been 14th since Week 10. And if you ask me, what do I believe in more? What Goff has done over the entire year and what Sam Darnold has done in two out of three games? <laughs> I think the clear answer is I believe in what Goff has done over the entire year. I don't think the Panthers defense looked that hot against the Steelers last week. It was no, hot. Trubisky had a good game. And they ran the ball well against him. And Chin was back, but Chin was looking tentative, I guess, is the best way to describe it. I think too. My thing with with um, the Panthers' defense in this game, like their run defense has been nice, but I think they are very much a run defense that is like they're going to go full steam ahead and they're going to pray to God they hit you in the backfield, and they <laughs> do a lot of the times. Like Frankie Luvu, I think has had a really good season. Shaq yeah. Thompson is generally good at that. Um, they have fairly good defensive linemen. Like Brian Burns can like slip through and do stuff like that. If you can just outmuscle them. And there are not many offensive lines that can outmuscle you better than Detroit's. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they can falter a little bit. And so that's where I think Detroit kind of has the advantage here. It's like they're going to, I think, be able to outmuscle them a little bit, get Goff into some of the favorable down to distances that he wants to as a passer, and just kind of do, do kind of do what they want. Yeah. The line is Lions, Lions minus two and a half. Oh, I would take that. Yeah, let's do it. I feel let's very go. good about the Lions on that. And the yeah, um, yeah. the over-under is 44. And here's an argument in favor of trying a first half under. Ooh. Both of these defenses are way worse in the second half of games. Carolina's defense mm-hmm. goes from 7th in the first half to 31st in the second half. Detroit's goes from 12th to 28th. And these trends are true since week 10, since these defenses got better in the last few weeks. It's not that these... These are not first half of the year trends that aren't true anymore. These are trends that are still true. So the first half under might be an interesting play. First half know. under sounds interesting. And if you don't hit it, you can turn around and maybe go over in the second half. <laughs> there you go. Right, right. Very, very much of a Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't have to, I'm not on deadline for the next day. Definitely the kind of play I'd be looking for. Um, all right. Let's talk about the fraud bowl. <laughs> <laughs> at the Minnesota Vikings. Wrong, wrong. Another 1 p.m. game. Vikings are basically in the playoffs at this point. Are they already in? or are they? Yeah, I think the Vikings are in. They're yeah. in. Yeah. Giants, 99% with a win, 81% with a loss. This is, of course, the game of the two teams that DVOA despises. The Giants are 22nd. The Vikings are 25th. Vikings, 10-0. 10-0 in one-possession games. Giants, eight, two, and one in one possession games, which by the way is why I am very big on the Giants plus four in this game, because I cannot imagine a game between these two teams being decided by more than three points. (laughs) (laughs) The Giants are going to muck it up enough to to make it a one score game. (laughs) So here are some interesting splits. Uh, The Giants are the worst defense in the league against middle passes, especially the short middle. And Kirk Cousins is fifth in the league in DYAR on middle passes. Yeah. But the Vikings defense is much weaker against short passes. 
And only Matt Ryan this year throws short passes more often than Daniel Jones. So both passing games play into the weakness of the other pass defense. The Vikings defense is soft. <laughs> like they are just both in terms of how they play their coverages and like how they tackle. Like that team just does not. I think that's why they're so bad in the short area. I mean, part of it is they play a lot of these like they're going to play quarters and they're not going to play it press. They're going to play it off. And and that's just kind of what they do. It's kind of like what the, what the Rams do. It allows for a lot of these un- underneath throws. And then I just don't think they have the dudes to tackle very well. Like, I don't think Eric Kendricks is, has quite played to his they level They don't get year. as much pressure as you would think, too, right? Like, you hear <laughs> a lot too. of Rogue Neil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And Zadarius Smith is having a comeback player of the year level year. But they're actually only 22nd in pressure rate on defense. I think they get nothing from their interior in that right. regard. And then they just don't do a lot of the... For whatever we want to say about what Mike Zimmer was towards the end of his tenure there, that man was scheming up pressure on third down. They just don't have that level of like of being able to to find the one thing in your pass protection scheme that is going to really, you know, piss you off and, and, and get you sacked. They just don't really have that that element to their game right now. So it's kind of just like you're you're banking on getting some edge pressure with Zadarius uh, Smith and Daniel Hunter. But it's also like if that's the only place that you're getting your pressure it's really easy to kind of just chip and then you have a clean middle of the pocket. You, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's those two guys. Go get them. Go get them. On right. Your edge. Right. Right. And, and and the Giants kind of have an answer to that. They're good at the both tackle positions uh, and they'll play a constricted formations and things like that. Get some tight ends involved. I'm wondering how they attack the soft middle of the field with the Giants playmakers who consist of pretty much nobody right now. Yeah, I watched the Washington Giants first game closely in preparation for last week's Washington Giants game. And like one of the things I came away with is, you know, I'm not Mr. Film Watcher, but Jalen Smith is just not the guy. He he <laughs> cannot move. <laughs> he, Neither was he, he, he was just away from the play a lot. He's their best he's their best linebacker and he can't run. And yeah. then their other guy is a Fifth, sixth round rookie, Micah McFadden, who is like, yeah, they just waved Tay Crowder, who was originally starting for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Micah McFadden, he'll come up and hit. He generally kind of knows what he's doing, but he can't really run either. Not very good in coverage, and even when he does come up to try to hit and like play blocks, he kind of has short arms, so he just gets eaten (laughs) by a lot of the the bigger and better offensive linemen. And um, the Vikings surprisingly like. They kind of have some of those guys a little bit. Like Ed Ingram, if he gets on you, he like he's he's gonna crush you. And then yeah. Darius, obviously, like Darius might healthy. be the best tackle in the league right now outside of uh, Trent Williams. Yeah, and and Darisol's healthy now, and that's going to mm-hmm. make a big difference. And uh, is Tibbs going to line up on him? Because is Tibbs is going to be on that on that? He Tibbs flip flops, so it kind of just it kind of just depends. Right. It's not, it's fun seeing him come around in the yeah. second half of the year. That's been really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. You know, a lot of people have said this on Twitter, but all that like Thibodeau doesn't care. It does his nonsense. Up, was all such nonsense. Yeah, like it was so stupid. Because a lot of it too was a. Uh, at least my understanding was part of it was obviously so much how he seemed to carry himself off field. Like people just didn't like him. Right. Um, but I saw even some people were saying like on scouting reports, like oh, against the run, he just doesn't have a motor. And it's like you're watching a different. Oregon player like that you I don't know what you're talking about like I think he had some issues against the run but it wasn't a motor thing it was just like 
sometimes he didn't see a polar fast enough. <laughs> I, t- I tell you every time, old SEC toaster head scouts mm-hmm. hate Oregon guys. They hate Pacific Northwest guys. As soon as they see the green helmet and, and they say, oh, they're up there. They're a bunch of damn hippies. It had they did it with <laughs> Herbert. They did it with Armstead. They did it with today. Yeah. They did it with Tibbs. It is. I, I'm telling you, it is a bias, and it's all these Texas SEC guys. Like, nope, not all them. They're all soft up there. Promise you. Promise you. That's what's going on. So, <laughs> would either of you take Vikings minus four? I bet on the Vikings. The it only is Minnesota, so none of that actually going to affect so much of the country this week. Now that I'm thinking about it, the only reason I might is the. The Giants' secondary is decimated. Yes. And Justin Jefferson is probably the best receiver in the league. And then even the, the, some of the other Vikings options are, are still pretty decent, too. Like, TJ Hawkinson, I think, has been um, pretty Thielen's solid. since. He, yeah, yeah, Thielen is still, is still a punny good player. Osborne is, like, pretty hit or miss. But, like, he has his games where he can run away from people. Um, I just think that is probably – if the Vikings can, can clear the four, it's because – their passing game just goes nuclear on a depleted secondary. I'm still, I'm still going to lead towards the Giants because I've seen Jefferson go nuclear and it's still three. And then it's still a close game. Yeah, yeah I was going <laughs> to say, I, just, I feel like this line is is too big. I just feel like it should be Vikings by two and a half or something. Yeah. And I just, the odds of the Giants losing by three or four are yeah. pretty high. Oh, the over-under is 48, by the way. Mm. So I don't know. Our season, season, this game gets mucked up. up. I feel like this game gets mucked up if it's a Giants win, and then you come in at like you know twenty four twenty one or twenty three twenty two or something, and you go under. And you have a prop you wanted to talk about. Let me find that prop right now. Uh, Justin Justin Jefferson, one hundred plus receiving yards. Yes, I think we can just pencil that in now. <laughs> and Saquon, one hundred plus rushing yards at plus four hundred. That is the Giants take a lead early and ride with it scenario. Right, or you get a 60-yard run. Yeah, or that. <laughs> which actually that is, I think, a more likely scenario is that he just has one that just does a, yeah. a lot of the work. Because I actually kind of think the Giants' run game has not been as good, I think, recently as it was to start the year. I think it really carried them at the beginning, and I think it has tapered off a little bit. And then I actually think since the Vikings have gotten uh, – Kyrus Tonga, who had re- had played for the Bears last year, he's kind of been decent for them in the middle, and I think that that could cause some problems f- for the Giants. Not in the sense of like they're going to completely shut down Barkley, but maybe not as as juicy a, a run defense to to, to yeah. kill as it might have been a few. And, and Todd Singer points out there is no precedent for the Vikings actually taking a, a another team taking a big lead on the Vikings. Every Vikings <laughs> game goes the same except for the last one. It's Almost every Vikings game this year was the Vikings take a lead. Yes. Then the First, Vikings kind of suck. Then yes. the Vikings really suck in the third quarter. <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter, the Vikings do something amazing and win by three points. They go into Justin Jefferson save us mode. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that was different last week was that they didn't have the start. They, they right. picked it up from the middle. The beautiful opening um, drive. The beautiful Vikings I mean, opening drive. I mean, here's DVOA. Vikings offense by quarter, mm-hmm. 15, mm-hmm. 15, 31. 14. Jesus. <laughs> like that third quarter, and by the way, the worst defense in the league in the third quarter is the Giants. So oh. something's got to give. Yeah. Second half props are coming. 
Who's 32nd? I don't you probably don't have it in front of you. I don't have it in front of me. Okay, okay. 32nd it's, offense in the it's third quarter. It's probably it's probably like the Texans or something. Yeah. Some yeah. overall <laughs> bad offense that's bad all the time. Um all right. Again, reminder, please uh bring in your comments, bring in your questions. Uh if you're watching live on YouTube or on Twitch, we're here every Thursday at 1 p.m. previewing games. I'd read. I've got that for the end. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to. All right, fantasy's awesome. Okay, we got three more games though. Let's briefly, briefly, Bengals at Patriots, as uh, Sal Palantonio would say, the most important game of the week, because I'm gonna be there. Um, and I'll point out, by the way, the Patriots still, despite having the stupidest play in NFL history. Don't drop too much in DVOA. They're still 12th in DVOA, but the Bengals are seventh, and the Bengals are just better. And as we keep saying, the Bengals are just better this year than they were last year on both offense and defense. The Patriots have a relative weakness versus passes in the middle of the field, and Joe Burrow is fourth in the league in DYAR on passes in the middle of the field, in part because, you know, I mean, with Chase injured for a couple games, it's been more Higgins and Boyd and Hayden Hurst and and as those guys are in the middle of the field more, whereas Chase is usually on the outside. So I I also think Burrow himself has actually just gotten a lot more willing to throw that part of the yeah. field. I think as a rookie, he just, you know, he doesn't have the best arm. So I think he's a player that kind of has to understand things at a very, very high level and play with really great timing to make it work. And I think as a rookie, it just wasn't all the way there. I think this year he's really taken that step to where he knows where everything is supposed to be over the middle of the field and he's been very very confident throwing to Hurst and like you said Higgins I I think making some of those in-breaking routes being a big body over the middle like it's been a really nice thing to see from this offense really is the ultimate like ceiling level of a intellectual quarterback yes absolutely like he really he does people got thought I was crazy this offseason when I would say things like the ultimate ceiling for Mac Jones would be to be Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. But it was because if if everything worked out for him, he he would never have the arm to be Justin Herbert or Josh Allen. Right. But he could develop the intelligence to be Joe Burrow. Right? Like what Joe Burrow is is the ultimate, like it's not arm strength, but it's just pre-snap reading and knowing where to go with the ball and 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 being good after the snap and mobility i mean even though he takes too many sacks which he doesn't take as many of as he did earlier in the year and last year like burrow is just the ultimate of that type of quarterback absolutely and like i said even like i just said he i think got better at understanding how to throw the middle of the field with his arm i think he's even gotten better throwing some of the outbreaking stuff because a lot of what they were doing last year on the sideline was like well Jamar Chase, run 50 yards, and I'm going to chuck it up, and you're going to go find it. They've actually, I think, done a little bit better about throwing some, like, actual, like, comebacks and back shoulders and outbreakers and stuff. And, like, he's never going to be great at that. He's never going to be, you know, like we said, uh, you know, a peak Tom Brady or, or, like, Justin Herbert. He doesn't have that kind of arm. But if he can do it enough to threaten, you know, to, to threaten it and make you respect it, it opens up the rest of, uh, of the offense. And if the rest of the offense is open up, he's plenty smart enough to just pick you apart for days. Well, Heady 403 says, I think the Bengals could go further than most people think this year. Yes. I could absolutely see the Bengals, as good as I think the Bills are, and as good as everybody else thinks the Chiefs are, and as good as we all know their offense is, 
I could absolutely see the Bengals coming out of the AFC again. Like, I, I know our numbers are totally in love with the Ravens, but for most of the people in football, it's just a top three. It's mm-hmm. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. And I think you could see any of those teams coming out of the AFC, and it would not be a surprise. I think – I almost think the only reason I would I would maybe lean the Bills over the Bengals is just if you get a 10 out of 10 Josh Allen game – I don't think Burrow quite has that. You know, you know what I mean. Like a ten right. out of ten Josh Allen game is just a completely different uh, a beast. But I think yeah, in terms of like amazing. full team, top to bottom, the Bengals are a better team. They're a more complete team than the Buffalo Bills. You really think so? Because I, yeah. I, hmm, I, I don't know. Injuries, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's kind of it. It's just understanding who's supposed to be healthy. Still really good. Mm-hmm. But the, the Bengals' defense is pretty really good. good. The Bengals have a better. The Bengals have a better have better receivers and a better offensive line. I but think. the Bills have a better defense. With Von out, with this less this nerfed version of Trey White, uh, yeah. with the injury at safety, uh, and just so, some of the other depletions along the way. I know a week or two ago, it's like the Bengals look stronger top to bottom. The Bengals had lost Hendrickson for a while, but it looks like he's coming back. And yeah, yeah I, he's going to play I'm, this week with a broken hand. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> club. Yep. He's wearing the club. Unbelievable. <clears throat> I think I my it. my argument for slightly leaning Bengals defense is that I think the Bills have a good defense, but they are very much a we do what we do. You, you know what I mean? Like they're going right. to play nickel. They're going to play the same coverages all the time. They're just going to do what they do, and they're going to play it faster. I think when you're a little bit injured, that becomes hard. And then I think the Bengals are much more a defense where like, they can kind of adapt to whatever kind of defense they're facing. You know what I mean? I think they're a very, very good matchup defense. I think that matters when you get to January. I think that, I mean, we saw it last year when they played the Chiefs. Well, like is, they were the, the best Pete matchup. Carroll. It's the classic Pete yes. Carroll versus Bill Belichick, right? Pete Carroll 100%. was, this is what we do, and we do it better than anyone else. Pete, Bill Belichick was, we do everything yep. at a B-plus level. We pick the thing you can't deal with, and we do that. 100%. Never thought three years ago that I'd hear a Captain Lou Amarano uh, <laughs> compared to Bill Belichick. But, he, I mean, he has been coaching lights out for the last year and a half. Quick note, uh, people are talking about who can go where. AFC Conference Championship Live odds right now. The Bills are plus 150. Chiefs are plus 260. And the Bengals are plus 500. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to play, place a bet on there. But if you uh, – oh, well, he, Hedy, if they're interested in it, plus 500, that's pretty good meat on the bone. I, think uh, I will people... point out that the, 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 the Patriots still do have playoff chances if they can win this. 33% make the playoffs if they win this. If they lose this, it's 5%. They're basically done. Do they want to make the playoffs, really? <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> it's better to be it's better to be 9 and 8 in the seventh seed than to be 8 and 9 and still picking – 19. Yeah, I, I just feel like I worry if they make the playoffs, Bill is going to be like, we can build on this. <laughs> but there's nothing to build I, I can't on, buddy. There being much difference in Belichick's mood, whether they make the playoffs at nine and eight or miss it at eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to do his thing. I guess at this we're point, still yeah, stuck. Just... Like I, I said, they're still stuck in this mi- middle ground where Belichick is too good a coach for them to rebuild. So they're going to go like eight and nine or nine and eight, like every year until Belichick retires. 
And I don't see that, whether they go eight and nine or nine and eight this year, I don't see that changing for next year. So as, as a Patriots fan, I'd rather at least get into the tournament. If that's, yeah, if that's where you're at, then I guess, yeah, see what happens. I mean, I, I'd rather be like, okay, now we're going to have a year where we go three and 14 and we're going to draft a real quarterback and rebuild, but this team isn't doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rooting for anything that eliminates the Browns. <laughs> the line is Bengals minus three on this. I mean, I would go Bengals minus three. Yeah, I think so. Is, it, is this, this is in Foxborough? This is in Foxborough, yes. I'll still go Bengals minus three. I probably won't actually play it, though. Um, all right, let's talk about the Eagles at the Cowboys. Although, you know, everything has an asterisk on it now. Uh, this game has shockingly almost no leverage at all mm-hmm. for either the playoff or who makes the Super Bowl. Right. No matter what happens in this game, the Eagles are probably the one and the Cowboys are probably the five. And Jalen Hurts will probably be back for the playoffs. So nothing that happens in this game really matters at all. Isn't like the only way it matters is if Dallas wins out and in the Philly loses loses everything yeah. like that, which is probably it's, not going to happen. Right. It's a it's a win out lose out situation. Philly's got mm. the Giants again, I believe, in two the weeks. The Giants and the Saints. Don't you trust that Gardner Minshew can? Be he can. Yes. The Giants <laughs> I mean, I think Gardner he at Minshew least wins one of those. Out. Yeah. At home. Uh, sorry, no, it's in – sorry, it's not at home. It's in, in, in Dallas. But but the other two games, I think he's got a shot to beat either the Saints or the Giants. Those games, I think, are at home. Yeah. The, the, the wisdom at the bar last Sunday before we knew Jalen Hurts was injured, so this is the Philly bar logic, is Philly fans don't want the Eagles to have, like, three weeks to rest because everyone's afraid that they'll be rusty. So they want to, like, well, this – you know, hey, go to the Cowboys – Take a loss against the Cowboys. That will make the next game meaningful. Then you clinch the home field advantage in that one. Then you get a shorter rest along the way. That that's the logic that was that that was being passed around the bar. Now, how much of that was guys inoculating themselves against the possible loss of the Cowboys on Christmas Eve that they don't want to we, we don't want to process? Right. <laughs> I don't know, but but it kind of speaks to like where where the timber is around here and just how strong this Eagles team is. So it's like oh, you know you take a game with Minshew or two games with Minshew. You're fine. You're fine. I mean, you know, I could go on and on about numbers here. You know, it's the same defense. Uh, These are the one and two defenses in sacks and adjusted sack rate and Mm. ESPN's pass rush win rate. And the Eagles front has been even better lately than they were, I think, at the start of the year. Like, they were pretty good for most of the year. The past month, they have been a wrecking machine. They have just been torching every single offensive line that they play against. The Eagles, you mean? Yes, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the Cowboys' defense has actually only been 13th since week 10, so they're in a little mm. bit of a dip, whereas the Eagles' defense has been 6th against the run in the last few weeks. So they've right. solved their problem. It's almost, yes. it's almost as if they like signed lots of like signed two dudes and got another <laughs> dude back from injury. And got the first-round pick healthy and brought him yes. back. And just and that is it because then then with those guys playing a lot of snaps then okay Hargraves is in on like the passing downs or like Fletcher is only playing X number of snaps so he doesn't look as washed as he did right. earlier in the season and that's where you get these like like third and eight like okay here comes here comes absolute chaos yep, here um, comes Sweat how- and Reddick just screaming off the edge. <laughs> Streaming off the edge and two guys collapse in the middle, so there's mm-hmm. no place for you to run. And like last week against Fields, Fields had some of those amazing scrambles, but they're kind of mush rushing him. 
Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the Bears' offensive line is probably not, especially once Tevin got hurt, was not something to talk about. But like you're mush rushing, like you're trying not to get too far upfield so you don't get you know run across, and they're still just all four of them are just, just in right. France, <laughs> dancing into the face of, of Justin Fields. So, all right, the line in this game is Cowboys by five. Always bet the backup quarterback in his first start, especially when he's playing with a stacked roster. And especially when you're getting five points, Eagles plus five. I think I actually kind of lean Eagles too. Like, I don't really care for Gardner Minshew, but like the Dallas secondary sucks right now. It, it's <laughs> it's bad. I actually think Deron Bland from the nickel spot had some pretty decent moments last week. Um, but Kelvin Joseph is not ready for the lights, man. He Like he's just not ready for it. Yeah. So I, I think it, they're basically going to almost guarantee that one of AJ Brown or Devonta Smith is going to have a matchup against him on every single snap. I think Minshew is smart enough to find that. I think he can do that. <laughs> Dallas, by the way, Dallas is 30th against wide receiver twos. Oh my God. And Devonta Blanc- might be the second, he might be the best wide receiver two in the league. <laughs> yeah. Lance the kid who launched the Christian Watson's career, more or less, right? A couple of weeks back. He was the guy who just got beat over yes. and over again. Like yes. the coming out party for, for Christian. Okay. And Zay Jones just fucking, oh, sorry. Uh, Zay Jones cooked him on a double move last week. Like it, yeah. he's just not ready to play. He's just not ready to play. Big game for Quez Watkins, maybe. I mean, at this point. Big game yeah. for Quez. There isn't depth for the Dallas secondary. Trevon Diggs is still good. Yeah, he, he is still good. But even then, is he good enough to like keep A.J. Brown quiet? Yeah. I, I don't know. No. Right, right. Is he going to get like five holding penalties on AJ if we just start like, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Let's do one Christmas game. There's one Christmas game that's kind of good, and that's Packers at Dolphins at 1 p.m. Yeah. Dolphins make the playoffs 82% with a win, 63% with a loss. Packers 23% with a win, 2% with a loss. Uh, Update us on the Dolphins, state of the Dolphins offense, if you would, Derek, because it's a mystery wrapped in a riddle. Um, I don't think it's as dire as as it was three weeks ago. I, I actually think that they have <clears throat> at least tried to open up the offense a little bit to like, I think one of, and Nate Tice has pointed this out a bunch of times, like they kind of stopped just doing spamming RPOs every time. They've done a little bit more of like, you know what, we're just going to run the ball. And yeah. it's really easy to run the ball against this Packers front who, yeah. who has, like, one good player. <laughs> like, Kenny Clark <laughs> is pretty good. And I don't really think anybody else is doing a whole lot in run defense. So I think they're actually, if they just commit to, like, we are going to run the ball, I think they can get that. And I think especially, too, they can get the edge um, on, on this Packers defense. Like, I think Rashawn Gary is not supposed to be playing. And, like, even when he was, this Packers defense was not very good at defending runs that, like, went – outside the tackle like they just they just kind of had struggled with that all season and I think that's what the Dolphins kind of want to do if they if they can get their guys moving on the edge um and then I also think in the passing game they have tried to do a little bit more of of setting up easier throws for Tua to throw outside the numbers obviously he's super comfortable just trying to throw those um you know those deep digs glance routes slants all, all that stuff that's hitting over the middle of the field but I think every defense at this point has gotten privy to like we're just going to drop our linebackers very deep and we're going to play press with inside leverage. So you can't throw those. 
Um, and I think when when teams first started doing that, especially the Chargers, I think really, really did that in the first half. Tua was not like he was just throwing those routes anyway, and they just weren't open. Like, but but that's just what he was used to. I think even last week we a little bit saw like okay, they can do some more stuff. I think they just didn't have a, a complete game to to beat the Bills. But like I think we started to see their offense take some shape. So I doubt we're ever going to see them as good as they were for the first ten weeks or whatever it was. But I think they'll probably be good enough to dismantle a pretty rough Packers defense. Yeah, Gary, I believe, is still on IR. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see no evidence he's coming off. They've gotten healthier some other places, but you're right. It's a very lean yeah. defensive front, especially when you, if you consider Smith like an edge rusher and, and like playing off the ball. So, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well if they decide to just hammer the ball. Uh, I will note, by the way, the Packers' pass defense is 24th against deep passes, and they are the worst late and close defense in the league. Weird. Okay. Well, the where is this game actually? Late and close. This game is in Miami. Okay, yeah, never mind. It's fine then. Because <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know if how much I trust Tua to throw deep in the cold. Yeah. But it's if cold. it's yeah, if it's not gonna be cold, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> you had those poor dolphins went from San Francisco to LA. LA to Buffalo, and you wanted to send them to Lambo for the fourth consecutive. <laughs> <laughs> you are cruel. <laughs> so uh, the uh, line is Dolphins minus four with an over-under of 49.5. I would take the over. Taking the over? I'm taking the over because I also think the Packers are probably going to be able to score against this, this uh, Dolphins defense. They, I don't think their secondary is any good either. I think that's too many points to lay on the Dolphins the way they're playing right now. I think I would lean towards the Packers and lean towards the Aaron Rodgers with the healthier, healthier receiving core than he's had in a while. Um, and, the, and the experience in games like these and put all those things together and say, I would take points plus that and take the Packers. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning Packers also. The Packers offense is DVOA likes them a lot better than you would think. We would have We have them seventh in offensive DVOA. Like the passing game is actually above average at this point after it's kind of come back the last couple of weeks. And their running game is really good. They're third running and 14th passing. Yeah, they're, they're running early in the year. The running and quick game was working pretty well overall. The, the, the Miami defense yeah. is better against the run than the pass, mm-hmm. but the Green Bay running game has been better than the Miami defense has been running. Yeah. And I think the, the Packers. The Packers run game is so like diverse, like, like they can just do so many different things with Jones and Dylan, even putting them in the backfield at the same time. That it's just kind of like the, the, the Dolphins do have some dudes up front. Like Christian Wilkins is playing out of his mind. Zach Sealer is one of the best run defenders. Landon Roberts is trying to kill somebody on every single snap, <laughs> but I think they're going to be able to catch him enough times that they'll be able to keep Rogers in some pretty comfortable down and distances. All right, so that is our last game. Let's talk about our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. You can play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional DFS sites. And you can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or try Pick'em games where you can easily pick a player's chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. 
I'll bet you you can find baseball best draft uh, best ball drafts on there too. Get into mm-hmm. baseball season soon. Uh, Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in your favorite app store. And don't forget to use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Thank you, Derek, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hearing what you have to say. Mike, thank you, as always. Uh, Happy holidays to everybody. Whatever holiday of choice you uh, you wish to celebrate, and we'll be back here. I'll be back Tuesday for the data show. No, uh, there's no wrap up show on Monday, but I'll be back right. Tuesday for the data show at 1 p.m. And we'll be back to preview week 17 at this same time Thursday at 1 p.m. next week. Until then, everybody enjoy week 16. So long.